Down at Third Man, the cricket podcast. Talking all things cricket, from club cricket to million pound franchises to the Test Match Arena. Proudly supported by Woodstock Cricket. Welcome to the Down at Third Man podcast. Good to have you all back for joining us to talk through yet more World Cup action. Uh, sorry we didn't do it at the weekend, but I can't lie. I went watch Clinton Baptiste. Um, getting the word nonce and yeah couldn't be bothered to do a podcast after that at like 10 o'clock at night uh, as always big shout out to our supporters Woodstock make sure you have a look at their gear um, got plenty going on on their website and I think plenty more to be announced in the run up to Christmas ready for next season so get on there have a look at what Jono's got on to offer plenty of the pros using them um, including you might notice Ravi Rampal for the Windies been using them so obviously decent gear so have a little look at that. We're still supporting Cry. <coughs> I have put in the order for the Bobolats. It has gone in this evening. However, if anyone wants to jump on last minute, I've got until tomorrow morning before um, Chris Sitkite sends me over the invoice. So if you want to lob an extra order on to it, please give us a shout. Uh, by probably Tuesday dinner time, I won't be able to get that sorted. Right. Tonight, there's just the two of us. It's me and Jim. <coughs> if any of you um, fancy having a laugh at Jono, um, if you, well, looking back and having a laugh, um, he's currently refereeing Sheffield United versus Sheffield Wednesday under 23s, viewable on YouTube. Um, Sai is refereeing elsewhere as well. Aid's serving on the beer bar um, up at the beer festival at the club. Uh, so we're down to two, but that, I don't think that'll matter because you've got the best two clearly. Uh, Jim, how are we, mate? Oh, good, mate. Oh, good. Quality over quantity, as I say. Exactly, exactly. Why would you? Why would you need two referees and a ginger? I mean, no need for them, is it? I can't think of two types of bloke that are probably given more stick, by the way, in the world than a ginger and referees. They're definitely through no. the short straw, them lads. Goes hand in hand, doesn't it? Yeah, not a good look. So obviously, we're all about the World Cup. Um, I do want to mention just quickly, though, is Joffrey Archer sneakily putting out the odd little hint about the Ashes? Keeps mentioning little things on TikTok videos and the like. Do we dare get excited, Jim, or do we really need to stop like, trying, to, trying to find hope? It's quite fitting that this is all happening around Halloween, where they say you can't have too much of a good thing, <laughs> but if you give too much chocolate and sugar to a two-year-old, you'd see that's not the case. You know? <laughs> We've had the good news about Ben Stokes and Joffrey Archer's dick teasing us all a little bit, but I'm <laughs> gonna I'm gonna call my jets on this one because, like I said, you're gonna have too much of a good thing, and then you can feel a bit deflated and throw up all over yourself in the middle of the night. So here's hoping, but unlike how ecstatic I was with Ben Stokes, I'm calling my jets. I'm gonna see how this one plays out. Yeah, I think. This one seems a lot less likely. I think Stokes was always off a chance that he he might come back, but <coughs> I'd be surprised if Joffrey was back. However, it would be lovely. Don't want to deny that. <coughs> so, looking at the World T20, obviously, last time we spoke was last Wednesday. So, since then, there's been a fair amount of cricket. I hate to say, but last Thursday, Australia did prove you wrong, Jim. They did go and beat Sri Lanka um, in the end quite comfortably, to be honest. 
Sri Lanka put what looked like a reasonable score, one five four on. Uh, runs for Gusal Pereira and Asalanka again, and Madripaksa again. Um, Asalanka and Madripaksa have been two shining stars, really. Um, got to mention there that Adam Zampil, two for 12, very, very good bowling off four overs. But then, <coughs> Aussies knocked off. I hate to say David Warner got 65, Finch got 37, Smith with 28, Stoinis with 16. A comfy win for the Aussies. Friday saw <coughs> West English Bangladesh. Bangladesh basically knocked out as the Windies finally won, although it ended up being quite a tight game in the end. Um, Roston Chase with 39. Nicholas Puran with 40, the main men there. <coughs> when it came to bowling, it was a wicket each for every single one of the bowlers that got West Indies over the line, um, despite Das getting 44 and Mamadullah getting 31. Shakib Alassane pulled his hamstring in that game and is now out of the World Cup, although, let's say, Bangladesh are out. Pakistan won with an overspare against Afghanistan. Um, Afghanistan actually posted a decent total again, really, 147-6. Um, Navi and Naib both finishing 35, not out, after a pull showing really from the top half of, the, of their team. A uh, couple of wickets for Wazim there and one wicket for the other bowlers. But then Pakistan knocked it off. Babrazam, 51 of 47. Fakazaman got 30. And there was 25 not out of seven balls for Ali Asif. Now, I'm sure I read that Ali Asif had faced something like 18 or 19 balls, something along those lines in this World Cup. And it's hit seven of them for six. Um, quick little word on Asif Ali, Jim. Fair play, isn't he? Mate, Giza hits bombs, doesn't he? I don't know the actual stats behind it. <clears throat> but I know that he averages the fewest balls faced between hitting sixes. And if you've got, you know, like England have got with Livingstone, although he hasn't had a chance to show it yet, you've got a guy coming out at number five or six who can launch you three or four quick sixes. You can almost win any game from anywhere, which is what Pakistan did against um, Afghanistan. They had no right to win that at one point. I thought that... You know, the Afghani um, spinners had bowled beautifully, kept it down. Even Babarazam couldn't really cut loose and score as quickly as he'd like. But yeah, having him come in at the end and just launch those sixes just just changes the game. They just, you know, Pakistan just looked to have all bases covered, didn't they? Yeah, Pakistan, I think, really all the surprise package. We knew they had three good players. Um, but <coughs> players just keep appearing. Different player each game is doing a job. Can't argue with it. That there's a reason why now you would say they're the only team that seem to be a worry for England. Uh, Saturday morning saw South Africa take on Sri Lanka. South Africa won. Sri Lanka batted first, got 142 on the board before being all out. Um, gotta say, you look at that, Nisanka, 72 or 58 balls opening up. And then other than 21 from Asalanka and 11 from Shanika, no one else making double figures there. Um, bit let down by the rest of his team. Decent day for the bowlers there. Pretoria's three for, Shamsi three for, Norka two for. And then South Africa knocked it off. Uh, six down. Runs there for Bavuma. Um, not many for Quinton de Kock, who returned. And we'll mention, just a quick mention on that. What? David Miller obviously got 23 not out, but I guess the main story really was that Quinton de Kock sort of 
back down from his stance. What did you make of that, Jim? I think you know, fair, you know, he's come out and had his say and put his side of the story across. I mean, I'm possibly the least qualified person to speak on this subject, but you know, I do have you know a little bit of understanding in that it can't have been nice for him on the way to a game to have you know ha- have this directive you know th- this stance directed at him you know they weren't consulted the players so you can see why he was you know frustrated upset about it but whether it quite warranted a pulling out of a world cup match i yeah. don't know that's you know that's the pinnacle of playing for your country in a world cup and I get that, you know, he felt like he was being told what to do and he has his own beliefs and he's, you know, spoke quite well on it. I just think that making yourself unavailable for a World Cup game, and it was an important game, mm. you know, I just feel like it maybe he'll look back on that and think that, that was quite unnecessary and that he probably could have played the game and then maybe discussed it with the board afterwards, but you know, it's all well good saying that South Africa cricket board's an absolute fucking basket case at the moment. You know? Yeah. I'm I mean, an interesting I bunch. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think anyone's coming out of that, you know, situation, particularly glowing. There's, you know, we, we've spoken about on the pod before, there's all sorts going on with South Africa cricket ignoring the fact that certain players exist and you know all that we've spoken about before so you know as a fan i'm just happy to see him back playing i'm happy to see south africa put a strong team out and yeah that's good Hmm. oh yeah so we're going to skip over england's game on saturday for a moment just to quickly discuss the other game um that sort of got overshadowed yesterday afghanistan Proved yet again that they can do it with about 160 for five from their overs. Sazai, 33. Shaws had 45, 31 from the retiring Ashgar, um, which is a little bit of an odd one, but to retire at this point when they could still qualify. Um, and 32 not out from Mohamed Nabi. And then Namibia just were never in it. 98 for nine they finished on. Um, 26 from David Vice was probably the only real contribution there of note. Two wickets for Nabe. Um, uh, three wickets for Ulhaq and three wickets for Hassan. Rashid Khan there only getting the one, which is a bit of a surprise. Mami Nabi not getting any. Majib out with a slight injury or fitness concern. Afghanistan, the, the proper in proper in the competition now. I think it's fair to say that, I mean, as it stands, they're second in the group. Obviously, they've got to take off. They've played a game more. They've got to take on New Zealand and India. But really, their fate is in their own hands, Jim. Could they be more than just a dark horse this time round? Oh, they're more than in this, I'll tell you. They've got, you know, the massive game coming up with New Zealand. That could well decide who goes through. And I've got to hold my hands up. I said that Afghanistan wouldn't qualify. I said they didn't have the batting. And, you know, you've got to give credit where credit's due. You know, they've played most of their games in Sharjah on that small ground, but their guys have hit bombs. You know, they've they played so well. And then when you've got Naib, Majib and Rashid Khan, you can almost look to defend 
15 runs less than par with what the pitch gives you. They've been brilliant. They're more than in this, especially now that India have, you know, lost their first two games. Yeah, yeah, it's just, um, it's really good to see. And I I hope they make it through. It would be good, you know, given what the country's gone through. Mm. But yeah, it's just, um, they've really taken, you know, there's two teams that have really surprised me and they're one of them. Yeah, they really surprised me. Yeah, they have been very pleasantly surprising. I think the fact that they're now backing up what they've always sort of offered with a ball and now offering up with a bat. And I think the fact that it's they're not just being heavy as well. There is, of course, they're going to head sort of aim towards that spin. That's the strongest point. Of course, you're going to utilise that. But there is still a couple of half-decent seamers in there that are doing a job for them and making a difference. And I think the fact they've now got seem to have more bases covered shows that they're going to compete more and the sort of team where I think if if they can carry on for another five, six years at the rate they're improving, then they are going to become serious, serious contenders in every white ball competition, which I think would be a great thing for for the for the world of cricket in general. Because let's be honest, cricket's played all around the world. It's one of the most played sports in the world and yet... We continue to have World Cups with 12 teams in them. I mean, explain that one, if you can. Don't forget no. even the ICC can. I mean, to be honest, you look at their performances, they've got one of the strongest bowling attacks in the competition. Mm. I mean, most teams have got strong bowling attacks and the pitches that they're playing on are favouring the bowlers who can nail it back of a length and, you, and it's helping your mystery spinners. But that said, you know, I didn't think they'd be backed up by their batsmen, and they have. I, I said that, that their best method of winning a game would be to scrape to 125, 140, and then just look to, you know, defend it with, with their spin attack. But they've gone out and they've just completely proved me wrong, and I couldn't be happier, to be honest. I could not be happier. Good, 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 good. Because we all know, of course, Sussex main man there, Rashid Khan as well. Can't forget him. So always good to see. Um, obviously then, I guess it's time we speak about England. <coughs> First of all, Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. We're taking on the Aussies, the old enemy. And you couldn't ask for much more. I mean, first over first the game. And uh, David Warner's walking back to the pavilion. Second ball, got one to his name. Chris, Chris Wokes nicked him off, and it's goodbye, old little Davy boy. I mean, was there a better start than that possible? It was exactly the same as the semi final in the 2019 World Cup. Wokes, he nicked him off in his first over. You know, <clears throat> that was just so fun to watch. And I've got to take issue with you earlier on saying that Australia proved me wrong. They haven't. I told. <laughs> I told everyone these boys are useless. I said I'd be surprised if they. I said I'd be surprised if they won more than one game. They got lucky against South Africa chasing a runner ball. They got lucky against Sri Lanka because Sri Lanka put in the worst bowling performance of the tournament. And they got up. Think you know, there they were, chests out, one two from two, all the ashes build up. Yeah, this is all a mind game. They said. You know, of course, this will have an effect on the ashes. Off your fuck, boys. 
Fantastic. Um, Rub- rubbish. They didn't compete at all. No, they did was... not, you know, they, they scraped together what they thought would be a competitive score on the pitch. And then Butler and his beautiful wrist just came out and just slapped them all over the place, you know. <coughs> So I feel vindicated. I said this Australia team don't know what they're doing. You know, I said they didn't have a clue what team they were picking. They dropped a batsman and picked a part-time spinner at seven. (laughs) And they couldn't get a score together. Useless. They're absolutely useless. Yeah, I think the interesting thing with the Aussies was not only did they, they make that change to... But actually, it wasn't that back end batting that let them down. That was where... The most of the runs came from outside of Finch for 44. I mean, Warner won, Smith won, which is a great catch, by the way, from Chris Wokes. Glenn Maxwell, six, got out by Wokes again. Stoyan is getting done by the, yet again by Rashid with a googly. I mean, fucking hell, you knew it was coming. I can't believe he fell for it, but hey-ho. But then Wade Agar and Cummings actually were the ones hitting the runs, 18, 20 and 12. Um, and even Mitchell start with 13 off six end sort of gave them, I guess, a bit of hope at 125 all out um, off the last ball. But in reality, it, it, there, was, there was no hope, it turned out. Got to give a quick shout there to Pat Cummins, though. 12 off three balls, 6-6 six, six out, fair play. If you're, gonna, if you're only going to last three balls, I guess that's the way to do it. Um, but England, bowling-wise, Chris Jordan, 3 for 17, superb. Chris Wokes. Two for 23, superb. Tamar Mills got quite a bit of tap, went for 45, but he picked up two wickets. Rashid, one for 19, again, good bowling. And I want to give a shout-out, and they'll get another shout-out, I'm sure, when I'm in, but Liam Livingston, one for 15, bowling four overs again. Bowling four overs while Moeen Ali does not get a ball. Livo hasn't really batted much in this World Cup, if we're being honest, but he's turned out to be a key player with the ball, where... Let's be honest, we were saying we were glad we got him as an option, but we were talking about him pulling absolute pies and filth, really. He's improved so much as a bowler. You can tell that, you know, netting with Adil Rashid, Moen Ali, having um, Jeet Patel as a coach as well, his spin bowling has gone to a whole new level. He's actually bowling really, really well. You know, T20 cricket is littered with spin bowlers who don't actually bowl well, you know, the likes of Imran Tahir. You know, they, they don't actually bowl that well. They just manage to get a bit lucky when a batsman tries to come down and wicket to them. But, I mean, we've had Livingstone, you know, what a luxury. He hasn't even batted, really. And he's come no. out, he's just full-time bowler. Number five bowler for England. You wouldn't, I wouldn't have bet on that probably a year ago. I wouldn't have bet on it probably six months ago, to be fair. I wouldn't have bet on it a week ago. <laughs> he, he, he certainly had a rise, I'll give him that. Um, as we say, wasn't needed with the bat. Yet again, England, great, great performance with the bat. Knocked off an 11.4 overs. 10.8 and over they went at. Um, Jason Roy did an all right job opening up 22 off 20. David Milan did a classic eight from eight at number three. Um, and Johnny Bairstrop finished it off with 16 off 11, including two sixes. But it was all about Josh Butler. Uh, <coughs> <coughs> missed out a little bit in the first two games, some people might have said. Maybe didn't look quite in form, but fucking hell. 71 off 32. 
five fours, five sixes, 221 strike rate. He absolutely destroyed the Aussie bastards. I mean, how do you describe that that innings to begin with? We won't even talk about today. How do you describe how he just absolutely mollied everyone, including I loved seeing him twat Adam Zampa and he shit mollied back over his head for his 50. I mean, it was like playing a club game and the overseas comes in. Fucking Muller's your best bowlers about and you just step, you know, you look at first sip, you go, yeah, he's playing a good le- level, isn't he? He plays high standard. Where they get him from? How much is he on? I mean, that that is, you know, Butler looked a class above both both sets of players on, you know, both teams. And that is the sort of elite batting talent that he is. There isn't a batter in the world who strikes the ball as cleanly, hits it as hard as he does. You know, just those wrists that he's got, mate. He's just able to, you know, dig out Yorkers for boundaries. He's just, you know, you, you've got... Where do you bowl to him? Where do you bowl to him? Don't bowl wide, mate. You go for less runs. If you can get... Mate, you, <laughs> you know, just fuck everyone off onto one side of the boundary. Bowl the ball out wide there. Let him take a one. That's how you bowl to him. Mm. You know, genuinely, at the elite level, he's unstoppable in that form. At the elite level, he's unstoppable. Looked like he was he was getting bats in practice against the under tens. Yeah, a few throwdowns on it for him. Although I am yeah. going to point out there, the shot of the day still goes to Jason Roy for me purely for that absolutely filthy pick up off Pat Cummins because I think oh. the Aussies still thought they were in the game. At that point, and then when he think you know, I'll get a couple of quick wickets here, and then he just picked that ball up, dispatched him deep, deep into the stand. And I think everyone thought, Yeah, that Pat Cummins bloke, mm, yeah, might be, might, he's a good player, but fuck me, he's just got sent to the moon there. You can just feel the energy sucks out of the team at that point. You can imagine they're all going out of the field. Here we go, boys, couple of early wickets and we could be into them. It's going to be a chase. You know, Matthew Wade piping up. <laughs> and then Roy just slaps Cummins for the biggest six. And you can just see it. They're all just going, oh, fuck. You know, <laughs> deflated, instantly deflated. You know, they, they knew, you know, it's, it's amazing. Just that one, in that one shot, they knew that everything they'd done in the tournament thus far was fraudulent. They yeah, knew everything they, everything they'd done up to that point meant nothing because they're exposed now. Mm. Now <coughs> we spoke about Josh Butler on Saturday, unreal on Saturday. Um, today, uh, arguably an even better day. Not quite as affluent innings to begin with. He had to battle around on what was a quite a hard deck at Georgia to bat on. England were in quite a bit of trouble, really. Roy went on the sixth ball. Of his innings for nine. <coughs> Milan six off eight. I guess someone who we maybe need to be a little bit concerned about his form. Um, Johnny Bairstow, first ball golden um, off the bowling of Hasaranga. But Josh Butler ends up with 101. Uh, not out of 67 balls, six balls, six sixes. Um, I think that's it's fair to say the six to... Off the last ball of the innings to get his 100 was beautiful, as was the other five sixes that he hit. 
He's now the first English men's batsman to score a century in all three formats. Although I guess he could say he hasn't scored one in the hundred yet, but we'll, we'll leave that. Um, but simply outstanding from from Butler today. I think at one point I, I turned on the radio, heard how we were doing for. I'd take one forty probably here, massively take one thirty, one forty. Hope we can defend it. He got England up to one six three for four. Most of it's down to him. I think it's fair to say. Obviously. Morgan did do a good job at coming in at five, 40 or 36 balls. Not a bad effort at all by any stretch of my nation, especially after an exceptionally slow start where I think a few of us are getting a bit worried. Um, but just Butler today, it was a different side to him, a different way of playing it. But surely just shows that he is the best white ball batter, or at least the best T20 batter out there because he can do it on whatever wicket against whatever attack opposition he's against it doesn't matter he, he can start off quick start off slow either way he's going to finish with 150 plus strike rate and a shitload of runs on the board and i mean his, his stats for opening are just a complete different level i mean i think I read somewhere is he averages something like 60 opening the batting in t20 he's in his, in his 58 before he went out to bat today Absolutely mad. Like, I don't, I'm not being funny, but you look at other players you think are very good players, and then you read that and you just think, nah, nah, that's, that's not right. That's not that's not a real player's stats. How the fuck does he do that? He now Again. averages 60.5 and strikes at 149.17 opening the batting in international T20s. Fucking mad. And it... <clears throat> It was the experience, you know, he's played for England for a long time, but I mean, that innings today is probably the best I've ever seen in bat. You know, World Cup had gone swimmingly thus far. How many times have we seen England lose that game? We've seen England lose that game so many times. I was doing a bit of a John Owen being pessimistic at one point, (laughs) I thought. When they need about 50 or 30 balls, I thought, fuck it. And Tim Mills had walked off. I thought, fucking hell, this, is, this, Mate, this could see, be the moment. All the PTSD flashbacks were coming to me. It was all coming. But just the, just how calm and assured in his own ability he was, that he knew that as long as I stick out here till the end, we're going to get a score on the board. And the way he was able to target specific bowlers but Chimir, I think it was Chimera who got absolutely brutalised. Just he's operating on a different level. He's got his game plans all sorted. He seems to know what the bowler is going to do before they do it. It was just the best I've ever seen in bat. And you know he got England. Okay, so it was in the first innings, but it got England over the line. It gave England that total to defend. And. You know, I've not felt so assured after an England performance as this one because we lose this game all the time. All the time, you know, the conditions don't suit us. You lose three wickets in the power play. Your captain's at the other end, seven off 16 or 20 or whatever it was. We always lose that game. But, you know, you know Butler in particular today because of his 100, but... These guys just know their games so well. They know how good they are. 
And I can't believe we won that game today. Mm. I think, you say, they know the role. They know how we're going to play. They know what to do. And simply, I don't see there ever being a game where at least three or four of them don't come off because of how good of players they are. And that, to me, they're that good. As long as three or four of them come off, they beat any team. And I think that's, that's why I think people are starting to get worryingly a little bit confident a little bit maybe too confident in England but maybe <laughs> there's I mean, plenty it's, behind it. it it's more than the old Bayless ball theory Bayless ball we all go out chuck the bat at everything one or two of us will come off and we'll be able to defend a big score they're smarter than that now mm. they're better than that now you know I just you know Morgan I said don't worry about Morgan he'll come good when we need him to more vindication for me. He was brilliant today. Brilliant. You had the captain and the vice captain out there. Both calm as you like. I didn't see either of them looking panicked. They were in control the whole time. It was just, yeah, I just, I, I haven't processed it yet. You know, I, it was that, it was that good a win from a game that we should have definitely lost. I haven't quite processed it yet. Speaking of panic there a little bit, um, <coughs> I think it's fair to say Sri Lanka panicked. They started off with a run out, um, a bewildering moment early on in it, so early on in the game. Uh, they then actually fought back all right. They got quite a few players who scored into the 20s. And at one point, as I say, they needed about 50-odd or 30 balls. Tamar Mills gone off injured. Chris Wokes had took a little bit of tap and you thought, oh, shit, maybe... Maybe we're going to fuck this up. Maybe we're going to fluff this. And then fair play to to England. I mean, two two really big wickets. Uh, Hasaranga went thanks to some well, the bowling of Livingston that was caught brilliantly by Roy, and then sort of relayed to to Billings, who gets his name down um, rather fortunately. Um, but a great great catch because Hasaranga, thirty four off twenty one, he was going at some, um, and then. They just sort of panicked. Shanika panicked. He decided to try and run a, a single to Butler. Butler did a little star jump, caught the ball and threw down the stumps and ran him out. And then it just completely tailed off at that point. Um, did we say it was something along the lines of four wickets falling and about 10 or 12 balls? Something bewildering yes. like that. It, it, they they needed f- 50 off about 30. Mm. And, you know, people, I was panicked. But you know, <coughs> felt in the back of your mind, they were five down at the time. You felt in the back of your mind, one wicket here changes the game. And then we picked up four in 12 balls. Yeah. You know, just looking ruthless now. from England. The last... And it was just what, what it came down to. Again, England's experience, you know, they didn't fold under. One, of the t- one team coped with the pressure today and the other one didn't. England were brilliant in the field today. And Sri Lanka just gave away two or three wickets that if they had dealt with that pressure, been a little bit more clear-headed, they could have chased this down. Oh, yeah, definitely. They definitely could have done on it. But on another day, you, you probably think England maybe don't field as well. Maybe Sri Lanka, one of them players, doesn't make a silly decision or gets away with one. But Roy and, so don't do, Roy and Billings don't do what they did on other days. I mean, yeah. that was... Me- these catches, they just, they just do. I could practice that day in day out <laughs> for a year. 
you know, still drop it. <laughs> wouldn't get anywhere near it. Yeah, that's it. And it's, it's you know, much. unbelievable. You know, and it's you know that changed the game. I mean, Sri Lanka wrestled it back a bit afterwards, but you know, this England team—they just seem unlike England teams years gone by. When the, the pressure ramps up, these boys can cope. Mm, definitely. Um, obviously, <coughs> England won by 26 in the end. Two wickets for Moeen, who cleared up sort of at the end. Um, two wickets for Chris Jordan, two for Adil Rashid, one each for Livingston and Wokes. Um, quick one, Livingston now has four wickets to India's two. Brilliant. <laughs> Absolute pisser, but we'll get on to India in a second. Obviously, the only worry is Tim Al Mills out injured. What? D- is that a worry? Do we need to be concerned or do we have to just wait and see? I mean, he knows his own body well enough. He, he he took himself off. He didn't try and bolt through the pain. He's had enough injuries to know not to do that. But I thought it was weird that England played him today, given his injury problems, given that Wood is also injured and that that you know, pace is such an important factor. You would have thought maybe they could have brought Willie in for t- today and still got the game won. And then if you win the game today, you can even then rest to Mal Mills again until the semi-final. But I thought it was strange that they, they played him. He's played every game. I didn't think he would. I just, you know, I understand that you don't want to change your winning team. You want to keep the momentum going. But, you know, you might work... You know, England have got this shiny new tour and they might well have broken it. Yeah, uh, it was. I was surprised he played because, because as you say, you, you felt like we probably today could have got away with someone like Willie quite easily. I think, I don't think it was necessarily, it wasn't the pitch where high pace, I think we'd seen earlier on a couple of Sri Lankan lads had tried to bounce people and it just was not going through. It wasn't a, a great pitch for it, which I don't think Sharjah has been for a while now, really. Um, and he, he took some tap before he, before he did get injured, so it is a bit of a concern. But I guess either way, we're, we're through, aren't we? We'd, we'd have to lose by 200 runs or something after to not go through. So I'm sure he won't play at the weekend. Uh, well, he won't play just before the weekend, I think it is, against uh, South Africa. But even, even if he's fit, fit, you'd think. Even if he's fit, you'd think they'll they'll keep him, you know, on the sidelines until the semi-final. Yeah, surely so. Um, I'd be interested to see if maybe someone like Billings also maybe gets a game, possibly, just to give people a go, just in case they're needed, maybe, and in the semis or anything goes wrong. But, yes, I'd be amazed if we see Tim Mills. I'd be amazed if we saw Wood, even if Wood's back fit. I think David Willey surely plays on, on at the uh, weekend. I don't know exactly what the rule is with the reserves so would Mills have to be ruled out of the tournament for the, a reserve to come in or could I believe be so yeah so let's let's put on our you know hypothetical hats quickly that's if he if, yeah if he's injured and out of the World Cup would you play David Willey I mean I'd probably would but I, you, I find it a hard one because I don't want to play Tom Curran. That's the be-all and end-all of this. I don't want to see 
Tom Curran playing at the World Cup, because if so, I think we're going to fuck up. But it's so hard because you want that one high pace option, don't you? That that is what you need. I don't even know. I couldn't even name you who the other backups were to come in. I don't know if Saqib Mahmoud is not. Is he on standby? Is it or something? But he's still back in like the UK. Is it? I don't know. I think I think they'd probably bring in Topley for that left arm option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, Topley's there, and so he's he's probably the option. You say left arm, a little bit, little bit of a height and pace, and it so. You'd probably would be looking at Reese Topley. Just, as long as it's not Tom Curran, I'm going to be totally honest with you. Anything but Tom Curran, I'm happy with. Even if it means watching Lalo come chortling in, I would, I would take it. Um, Tom, Cur- Tom, the thought of Tom Curran worries me. Yeah, it, it, it worries me too. On these pitches, <laughs> on any pitches, it worries me. Looking for a new cricket equipment partner for yourself or your club can sometimes be tricky. With so many options to choose from, how do you make the right choice? When you want quality, value and service, there really is only one place to start. For more than a decade, Woodstock Cricket have been producing award-winning, high-performance cricket bats from their Shropshire workshop. Matched with their classy soft goods, luggage and accessories, Woodstock Cricket really do tick all the boxes. Get in touch with Woodstock Cricket and find out why many loyal clubs, players and international customers can't be wrong at info at woodstockcricket.co.uk. So sadly, Jim's had to go for a little nippers. I had a little bit of a um, bit ill, shall we say. Um, so Jim's had to nip off. So I'll just quickly run through what the other massive, massive news was, I guess, from this World Cup so far. And that was India. They are more or less on the verge of being knocked out. They played New Zealand yesterday on Sunday. Um, New Zealand won the toss. New Zealand, unsurprisingly, chose to chase. There was a couple of changes for India. Kishan was in because Sky had a bat spasm. They also brought Fakur in. Didn't work. And that's the be-all and end-all of it. India won 10 for 7 off their 20 overs. Rahul with 18 at the top, Sharma with 14 off 14, Duratko only 9 off 17, a poor, poor show. Um, Hardy Panji got 23 off 24, Jadeja 26 off 19, not out was probably sort of the best of, of what was left. Bakura, third ball ducks were sort of summing up a bad, bad day with a bat there for India. Um, they really, really struggled. They weren't at the races at all, and it was poor to see, really. Um, and that was despite Rohit Sharma getting dropped very first ball by Adam Milne, what could have been an easy catch. Um, and his showed he dropped from right to the death as well, um, which should have been another easy catch. New Zealand there, Trent Bolt, 3 for 20, great effort. His showed he 2 for 17. And then there was one each for Selfie and Milne. And Mitch Santner only went for 15 of his four overs. So a great effort there from Mitch Santner. But yeah, just not good at all from India. <coughs> and then New Zealand, they didn't really piss about trying to knock it off. 14.3 overs on the board as they did it. Great start from Guptill and Mitchell. Guptill 20 off 17. Mitchell, unluckily, fell just short of his maiden T20 international 50 with 49 off 35 opening up. Kane Williamson, Mr. Assured, 33 off 31. Made it look easy. 
Devon Conway just came in and knocked a couple around at the end. <coughs> but as I say, not good at all from India. India more or less out now, you would say. It would take results going their way and not just going their way, but going their way massively to sort out their net run rate. They're stuck on no points after two games, only Scotland below them, Namibia above them, New Zealand above them, Afghanistan above them, and of course Pakistan above them. It's not looking good for India at all. Um, <coughs> comparisons between the IPL and the Premier League and how India have been, been poor in these competitions since the IPL has existed, just like England have been poor in the football since the Premier League existed until recent years. Um, I think there's plenty to be said about that. For Indian cricket, Twitter went very quiet. Virat Kohli looks like he's, he's, he's left the captaincy of RCB with yet another failure. Looks like he's going to leave the captaincy of the Indian T20 team with yet another failure. So many things just don't seem right. Their approach to the game, you could argue their selection, and just, yeah, you're just really, really poor. Indian, <coughs> they've got Namibia and Scotland next up. You would expect them to, to, to get some win, a couple of wins there. I mean, the huge game itself is obviously going to be the one against Afghanistan um, in just two days' time. But even if they win that, the, the chances are Afghan, both Afghanistan and New Zealand should really finish above them. Um, and yeah, just a, just a very, very poor effort from them. I'm sure they're not getting, the fans won't be happy. We'd, and we'd be interested to hear what other people think uh, thought about that. Uh, we'd be interested to hear what our Indian listeners think, what they would do to change it. Because at the moment, it, it's a big, big problem. I mean... Cole is not batting well. Rohit Sharma is not particularly batting well. The balance of the team doesn't seem to be there. Hardik Pandya is your sort of extra bowling option. Not the greatest option, you would say, but also not doing enough with a bat to be purely in as a batsman. It, it, there's, there's a lot of issues, I think, there that need to be solved. I don't think it's as easy as just one quick fix. So, looking at the tables as we stand today... England top with eight points, not technically fully through, but they may as well be their net run rate is that good. South Africa just behind, they're on four points, um, two wins so far. Obviously, they've got to take on England, uh, but they're just ahead on net run rate. Then Australia's net run rate took a bit of a thrashing because of England. Um, they're also on four points, but obviously, they haven't got to face uh, England. However, they have got to face the West Indies. It could be a tricky one for them. Sri Lanka on two points, probably looking like they'd be out now unless results really went their way. West Indies still on two points. There's still an outside chance they could get themselves back in it um, if they could finish off with two wins and somehow boost up that run rate. But that run rate is so low, it's very unlikely. And Bangladesh, no points. They are basically out now. There's no way back for them with how their run rate is. Into Group 2, Pakistan top, six points, three from three. Looking very, very good. Only team I think England would say they're worried about at the moment. They're followed by Afghanistan, who have got four points from three games. New Zealand have got two points from two, two games. Namibia have also got two points from two games, but you would expect that they've probably had the game they're likely to win, um, having faced Scotland and 
they got a bit of rushing from Afghanistan, so you can't believe they're really in with a chance. And as I say, India next to bottom, no points from two games, minus 1.6 run rate, which shows how unlikely it is that they still manage to qualify. And then, um, yeah, Scotland at the foot of the table, sadly. Um, but hey-ho, you can't have it all, Scotland. At least you qualify for the main bit of the tournament, and at least you're in the next World T20 next year over in Australia. So we've got plenty of fixtures coming up. There's a lot obviously happening at the World Cup. Tomorrow, South Africa versus Bangladesh and Pakistan versus Namibia. South Africa need to win there, really, to keep themselves in contention. Pakistan, you would expect to beat Namibia. <coughs> on to Wednesday, New Zealand take on Scotland. New Zealand will be open for a big win to boost that net run rate. India then take on Afghanistan, a massive, massive game on Wednesday afternoon. India have to win and have to win big, you would think, to have a chance going through. If Afghanistan can win that, then that's massive for Afghanistan and really puts them in a driving the driving seat for qualify. We then go on to Thursday. Australia take on Bangladesh. Australia, of course, need to win there. West Indies take on Sri Lanka. Now, if the Windies can win that and win by quite a good margin, they could give themselves an outside chance. On to Friday. New Zealand take on Namibia. New Zealand again will be looking for a big win. India take on Scotland again. They will want a massive, massive win. And then Saturday becomes very, very interesting. Australia take on the West Indies and England take on South Africa. England basically already qualified. West Indies unlikely, but a possibility to go through. But it's all about really how well Australia and South Africa do. <coughs> that will decide really who goes through in second. A massive game there. On to Sunday, New Zealand take on Afghanistan. It could well be that the winner of that game decides who comes in in second. Whoever wins, will you would expect to be the team in second place. Pakistan will take on Scotland, open for a fashion. And then on the Monday, there is an outside chance that India, if they were to absolutely hammer Namibia and results have all gone their way in the build-up, they could be in with a chance. But it's looking unlikely. So that's it in terms of T20 cricket. Um, just a couple of things we'd like to give a little bit of a shout out to. Um, we'd love to hear some of your best stories around cheating. Um, a suggestion from friend of the pod, David Wrigley, after Jimmy Neesham retweeted one from Mexico last week where USA cricket lost by seven runs to Canada and one of the Canadians who hit 40 of the total of 85 basically blocked someone from catching her out in the very first ball um, and was given not out despite clearly obstructing the field, which was pretty, pretty funny, I've got to admit. Um, so we'd love to hear little bits about that. And of course, anything else you guys want us to talk about or you have a comment on, let us know and we'll get it mentioned in the pod because that's what we, that's what we're all about. We want to give a voice to normal people out there who watch a bit of cricket. So yeah, really, really Big thank you for if you've been listening. Apologies that you've just had to listen to me for these last 10 minutes. Hopefully you've got a bit of an insight as to what the week ahead brings. We are hoping that we will be able to bring another pod sort of over the weekend after England have played their last game. And hopefully with them, sort of the group stages more or less decided and we sort of know the semi-finalists are. So hopefully we'll bring you a pod in just under a week's time. Then I'm sure we'll bring you on at some point after the semi-finals. And of course, we'll bring you on at the finals. 
final thing before we go if you haven't already have a little look at into Yorkshire and their races and case. The fact that today it has come out another player is admitted to saying to not talk to Azim Rafiq um, because basically saying, calling him the, the P word um, and that being decided by Yorkshire is only banter and not racist abuse. Absolutely laughable. They've chosen to not sack or even discipline anyone involved. Absolute madness. So have a read about it and then basically show your support for Azim Rafiq and tell Yorkshire what scum they've been, um, really. And hopefully the ECB will get them sorted out. So big thanks for listening. Big shout out to Woodstock, our supporters. Big shout out to Cardiac Risk and the Young, who we continue to raise money for. Big thanks, of course, if you have ordered a bobble hat. Have a great rest of your week. England are on fire. They've twatted the Aussies. They're twatting everyone in their way. We're basically in the knockout. It's a great time to be an England fan because the Aussies are struggling. India are really struggling, which is great to know. And, hey, we could be winning the World Cup and then it's the Ashes. You never, ever know what might happen. 3-1 to Australia. But you never, ever know. It could all be coming home. Have a good week. We'll see you probably at the weekend. Go well. Down at Third Man, the cricket podcast, proudly supported by Woodstock Cricket. Yeah.